Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, March 11th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We'll talk some FCS college football for this weekend's action. Also take a look around the college basketball betting landscape. And real quickly, tomorrow's show, I'll be doing another edition of the Betters Box. Probably do two divisions tomorrow, five and fly for the AL Central as well as the AL West as opening day. Uh, not that far away now, so very much looking forward to that and got to make sure we get all the divisions in here on ATS Radio. Speaking of Major League Baseball, my 2021 MLB betting guide available over at ATS.io. All 30 teams previewed from a season win total standpoint. Some good fantasy baseball application in those as well. Futures markets for divisions, pennant, and World Series. Also, player futures available in that 2021 MLB betting guide. And you can check that out over at ATS.io or on my Twitter feed, at Skating Tripods. There's a link to download the PDF from my Google Drive. So if you want to get the guide that way, you can do that as well. Also over at the website, picks and predictions across college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. Uh, I'll have a UFC preview up for you probably sometime here today. Uh, NASCAR preview is already up. Golf preview went up for the Players' Championship early on in the week. So we cover all those things over at the website as well. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? It's going well. How you doing? I'm tired. <laughs> I love this town, but uh, it'd be nice to get home today after kind of running all over from side to side in the valley. But uh, good to see you a couple of days ago, man. I'm glad I got you out of the cave. Yeah, always a pleasure to see you, man. Uh, the, nice to, the, to get out and about and uh, see a good friend. And uh, always a pleasure talking to you face-to-face, even though I talk to you each and every week right here. Yeah, right. Uh, this time we got to do it over hot dogs at the South Point Sportsbook. So, you know, definitely a fun time with that. And Again, uh, thanks for making some time to come out. And thanks, of course, for making some time here to do this Thursday show. And, you know, something you and I talked about quite a bit when we were chatting on Tuesday, uh, you know, you've, you've hammered closing line value in the FCS here so far. Haven't had the results, but you've certainly got out in front of the market. And, of course, that is a very good indicator of future success. Did you see any adjustments in the market here this week where maybe it's tightening up a little bit or just, you know, still kind of a free-for-all with a lot of value to be had? I did see some tightening, uh, you know, after early movement. I mean, I'm just going to call it out. I mean, getting after – the key to FCS betting is to get the, the, the early number of bet online because their, their numbers are really bad. I'll just put it this way. And just to prove it, I mean, even though I'm getting the best of the number, I'm probably 90% of my bets – I am not betting the opener. I, I am not getting that bet online number. I'm getting to, you know, whenever the Westgate Circa and a couple other books open up their numbers, that's when I'm betting. And, uh, you know, th- even though I'm getting ahead of the number, the closing line number as it is by a couple points on average, and, and a majority of the bets, you know, half point, point, point and a half, three points, you name it, I uh, have a losing record. But if I were to, you know, put that same, you know, thought process towards betting the opener on bet online, some of my season so far would be quite different. So, uh, yeah, the, the number, I haven't seen much movement in the last two days in the market. Uh, once Westgate and Bookmaker, Pinnacle opened up, haven't seen much. Not surprising, though, I'll, I'll throw out a caveat to this. I think there's not a lot of people betting FCS. I'll put it that first and foremost. 
And I think there's probably even less this week because, I mean, just all the attention is going to go towards college basketball conference tournaments. I mean, you're, you don't have time to look at FCS during the day. When you got basketball games starting off, I mean, if you're talking Pacific time, I and mean, we got games going on right now as we're recording this at 8 a.m. Pacific time and a bunch of games tipping off at 9 a.m. So I think let, if I'm guessing there's going to be less of a handle this week. So maybe guys like myself will hit it, uh, you know, a little bit later in the market. But Looks like it's getting tight, and it looks like underdogs are also shaded again. Where you know, I, even though the underdogs have been absolute money so far 66% against the spread, if you're blindly betting every single underdog, I'm finding myself just from a pure numbers aspect, I'm still betting maybe a little bit more favorites than dogs, and maybe that's my weakness. Well, certainly a lot of things to unpack from that. And one of them is, you know, yes, ATS.io is a U.S.-facing website, but we certainly understand and appreciate the value of the global markets that are out there. And that's a big part of it here is that, you know, as you mentioned, in, in general, in the big picture, there's still not a ton of interest in the FCS. The people that are largely playing FCS are sharper guys, and particularly those playing the FCS here out in the state of Nevada. You don't have some random guy who walks into the book on a Saturday betting FCS college football. You're just not getting the public handle out in the state of Nevada. You'll get maybe some of it in the global markets just because you've got a lot more access, a lot more availability for people. But I think it's a really important point to make here is that, you know, look, for you, you are kind of handcuffed a little bit because you've got, you know, all the sports books at your disposal out here but not all of them are posting numbers. Certainly not all of them are posting them early in the week. The market kind of shapes up by the time some of them post. So that's a really important distinction to make here is that you know, you, you're handcuffed. You, you simply don't have as many opportunities as some of the other people out there that do operate in those global markets. And the second thing is, I like what you said about you know this weekend, the handle going down for FCS because you've got all these major conference tournament games throughout the next few days. You've got a couple championship games on Sunday, several on Saturday. You know, people are more invested in that, and that will very much be the case next weekend with the NCAA tournament Friday and Saturday for the first round. So that's something I think will be really interesting to kind of see how that dynamic plays out, where it's a very select group of people playing the FCS markets here this weekend and next weekend. And I'll be curious to see if, you know, we do see those favorites come back, regress to the mean, or, you know, if we just don't see the books paying a whole lot of attention and maybe some good mistake lines out there. Yeah, I hope that's certainly the, the case in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, so many things that you said, obviously I agree with, but it, it is just a, I'm guessing it's just a few sharp guys. And whoever gets to the numbers the first, you know, I'm guessing it person or persons, uh, is having a really good success. And then you got to, you know, chase a little bit of numbers. They're still good. They're still, you know, they, you can still get some good numbers compared to it. But just to show you the value of getting the best of the number, I mean, to me, it's the difference of having a 60-plus percent season and a 40% season so far, even though I'm getting the best numbers that I can. Uh, and I guess I'll say this. The frustrating thing to me is, you know, I don't care, uh, you know, who, what book, puts them up or whatnot. I can understand books not even wanting to deal with it or whatnot. The thing that's frustrating me every week, these lines are released at a different time and day <laughs> and every single book. it's just not, you know, different books 
uh, you know, the, the market releasing at different times. Books are, you know, are releasing different, some, you know, sometimes Bet Online is always the first to market, but you know, some day, some weeks it's Monday, some weeks it's Tuesday, some weeks it's Wednesday. Bookmaker sometimes doesn't release until Friday. This week they're up and going on Tuesday. Circa usually is the first book here in Vegas to open them up. They haven't even put numbers up yet uh, this week. So, uh, I mean, that has been the frustrating thing for me besides, you know, having more losses than wins at this point. Uh, but, you know, what? it's football. It's, you know, a nice little break other than, you know, banging your head against basketball. And again, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the market shapes itself come you know, April when the tournament's over, college hoops is over, and you're talking the, the, the tournament as far as the FCS tournament. So I, I think we'll have a different market. We'll have more liquidity in it, and we'll see if it changes at all. But, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and act like I'm just bitching and moaning. But uh, it, it's been inter- interesting to say the least. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, something else that's interesting, not to, to get too far off topic here, but had dinner with some people last night, including Las Vegas Chris, who finished second and fourth in the Circus Sports Million here this past NFL season. Uh, very, very smart guy, very sharp handicapper. I know you and him communicate rather frequently. But, you know, we were talking about the XFL-CFL, you know, kind of working towards an agreement, maybe sort of finding out a way to, you know, maybe play games against each other, just sort of piggyback off of each other, something like that. Because the CFL, the Canadian Football League, seems like it's on pretty solid financial ground. And as we know, the XFL, yep. you, you never really know, you know, where things are going to go with that. Although I do think, you know, Dwayne Johnson is somebody who's going to really try to see that vision through, especially for the sake uh, of those players looking for opportunities. But, you know, we were talking about it, and and, and Chris just basically goes, I don't know how the hell we don't have football 52 weeks a year. He's like, the the demand for football is so high. And that's why it's kind of interesting to me to not see, you know, a ton of, of public or recreational better interest in this. Maybe it is just the time of the year because it's college basketball conference tournaments and March madness. But you know, look, I mean, it's, it's football. We know football is number one, no if, ands or buts about it. So I don't know. I, I wonder if this is a market that after, you know, the, the big parts of the NCAA tournament are kind of in the rearview mirror, the first round and the second round. I wonder if you do get a lot of public investment of people that don't want to bet baseball, don't really care too much about the NBA or the NHL. We, we may see a, a different kind of shift in the market in, you know, three, four weeks time. So I don't know. It, it, this thing's like a living organism that's just sort of adapting and, and you wonder where it ultimately ends up going. I like that living organism because uh, you could say that for the market on on the whole, it's constantly changing. Uh, any market, I, I should say. But th- this one, and, and I'm also going to throw this out there. There might even be guys like myself that are just waiting to see because, I mean, they, they're seeing guys like me, you know, seeing, hey, man, it's beatable as far as getting a good number, but it's very volatile. You know, one week and, you know, I tweeted out a couple, you know, there's no correlation whatsoever, uh, you know, and look, you can't do this. You could probably do this in any sport, but just in a matter of two weeks, I mean, Tarleton State hammers New Mexico State, Dixie State the next week beats up Tarleton State as a four touchdown underdog. And then last week, New Mexico State, if there's any correlation, Dixie State therefore should beat New Mexico State. No, New Mexico State controls that game. So, no correlation, highly volatile. Maybe guys like even myself are just sitting it out for three or four weeks. And then as they, you know, accumulate some data and whatnot, then they'll 
partake in it. But yeah, I, I do. I, if I'm going to make a prediction, it's going to be this, it'll be a completely different market, you know, three weeks from now than what we're talking right now. One other thing I want to ask about here, and then we'll get to some specific games and kind of break some stuff down is as you said, underdogs here, 66% against the spread. That's not going to continue. No. And something, and something about FCS here, you know, it, it's obviously everything's been strange, regardless of sport. Everything's been strange. But the teams that were expected to be good that aren't out there covering numbers right now, you sit there and you think to yourself, okay, how many games do they need to actually start looking like the team that everybody expected, to start looking like the team that maybe was playing in the fall of 2019? The good teams, the well-coached teams, the teams that you know, do a better job of recruiting or have maybe been – established programs at this level and it's interesting to me that you say that a lot of your numbers seem to show a preference toward the, towards the favorites here for this week's games and that's kind of where I would be at and, and I'm not handicapping this market but I, I enjoy talking about it because it's something new and different but I do feel like those good teams will start playing more to expectation the more reps that they actually get you would hope so and you would think logically that would be the case. I think you're going to have to take it on a case-by-case basis, though. Um, you know, I'm going to throw out the team that everybody at least follows at the FCS level, North Dakota State. I'll say this. I am not anxious to bet on North Dakota State, a team that you would think, hey, regression towards the mean. They're struggling so far. I think there are legitimate reasons why North Dakota State's struggling uh, there, you know, North Dakota State, it just hasn't been Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. You can go back to, you know, Brock Jensen, you know, a decade ago. They have had elite quarterback play at the FCS level for a decade. They are not getting it right now with Zeb Nolan, and I'm not sure that they're going to get it at all this spring, just as a clear downgrade from what they've had at quarterback the last 10 years. So uh, I, I, while I agree with you, regression towards the mean, uh, and if you ask me from this point forward, I would expect more favorites to cover than dogs just because I'm seeing some numbers shaded and whatnot. I'm not saying it's going to be 66% favorites, but, you know, if you're blindly betting, maybe you're 52% or, or whatnot. We'll see. But, again, I'd, I'd be leery on it on a case-by-case basis because I'll say a lot of teams have been, you know, decimated by transfers, opt-outs and whatnot, and maybe we're just not going to see the best of that uh, team this spring. So as we transition to looking at individual games here, that North Dakota State game here this weekend against Illinois State, they're still a 12-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of 37-and-a-half. <laughs> so a very low number here for, for the total on this game, and maybe that speaks to the offensive woes so far for the Bison, but is, is this an accurate representation of sort of their market perception is 12 and a half around where you have the number, or is this one of the rarer favorites shaded because of that name value? Great questions. No, I actually, my numbers say North Dakota state's the play here. Uh, and I would still lean them at 12 and a half. I think Illinois state's uh, a team that, you know, the market wanted to play against, but they've actually been a little bit better than expected so far. Uh, I, you know, I can't, take myself to bet, uh, uh, you know, almost two touchdown favorite with such a low total. It's really tough to do that. Uh, North Dakota State's defense, uh, on the other hand, and on the other hand, has been legitimate. Uh, I mean, at least in two of their three games uh, so far this spring. I mean, they've showed like one of the better defenses in the country. 
But my numbers say that the, this line, even when factoring in how low scoring is supposed to be, says North Dakota State should be laying 14 here. So uh, I, I think, you know, from a pure numbers perspective, and to show you, you know, North Dakota State just isn't – I would argue North Dakota State's not getting anywhere near the same respect that they, you know, are typically getting in these markets. I mean, last week you had a Northern Iowa team hosting a, this Illinois State team, and that line, I mean, depending on, on where you got it throughout the course of the week, but hovered anywhere from 8 to 10. So, I mean, you do the math. Uh, North Dakota State on a neutral would only, you know, be a field goal type of favorite over a Northern Iowa team. It just goes to show you that the market has really downgraded North Dakota State. And that perception, it would probably be there if the public was involved betting. It's not there right now. I, I mean, there's not a lot of professionals lining up to bet the, the Bison right now. Well, and that was going to be my follow-up question was, you know, is this just an example of what we've talked about already? in terms of the lines for the underdogs being shaded a little bit, yep. or is this a commentary on North Dakota state, you know, falling well short of expectations and the market may be over adjusting sort of a knee jerk reaction to that. Because again, keep in mind here, you know, a lot of these teams are only lined in the FCS playoffs or when they play an FBS team. So it's not like, you know, any of the bookmakers out there have really strong power ratings on these teams for the most part anyway. So I sort of wonder about that. You know, we've seen enough data points to where people will start formulating opinions about these teams, and those will be those will show up in the odds for these games. So in a long-winded way, is this just about the shading of underdogs across the board, or does this have to do with the fact that North Dakota State has been a disappointment, and maybe we have gotten a little bit of that, you know, immediate knee-jerk reaction? I think it's a little bit of both in this particular instance. Uh, I, again, uh, underdogs are being shaded a little bit, uh, but I think it's more of a downgrade in North Dakota State. And I'll, I'll just say this. I mean, there was money uh, has come against North Dakota State all three games so far this season, so the, this spring season. So uh, I think people, uh, again, at least the professionals that are betting it, are not afraid to fade this North Dakota State team. And even this one, while it hasn't moved once, you know, four or five books started putting up uh, the line, I mean, we did see, you know, that this line was, you know, a little bit higher. I mean, it opened 17 and bet online. So what we've seen, and I, I think all moves, at least from what I've been tracking the last four weeks, almost every move off that bet online opener, I would, whoever's going in there and going to town on those, I would consider it sharp and I'd be very leery fading it. So, you know, again, for the third week in a row, big time money against North Dakota state. Shout out to the person who decided to wake and bake here at Harris. Cause I think I'm going to get a contact high in my room. Um, oh my but <laughs> aside from that, uh, <laughs> you know, the thing of it is, look, I'm sure a lot of our listeners here, are not involved in the FCS market. And I hope that they're still listening to the show. And I hope that you know, maybe they are uh, getting involved in this market because I think there is money to be made. But like any other market, we can use these things to illustrate a lot of important betting concepts to where a team like North Dakota State, maybe they don't figure it out, but there will be a buy point on this team. There will be a point where their number is just too low yeah. for the matchup, for the opponent, whatever else. And that's true of every market. And I think that, you know, it's really interesting to talk about with the FCS market because, you know, college basketball generally settles in pretty quickly. The other sports settle in pretty quickly because we know the players, we know the teams, we know the coaches, this and that. But 
I think this is one of those illustrations of how perception and recency bias and all those different types of things can create value. And maybe it's not in this North Dakota State game per se, but I'm sure that there are some games that you can use to illustrate that point here in a second. But it just speaks to a lot of those betting and handicapping concepts of having an understanding of the market, knowing when to sell high, knowing when to buy low, knowing when to do a lot of those things that help you make smart plus EV wagers. And it's really easy to see in this market because, it, you know, you said it best, I think it's a very volatile market. You know, it's an illiquid market, but it reinforces a lot of the things that we talk about in other sports betting markets. And I think to see it so clearly, I think it's something that allows people to get you know, a good idea of, of the things that we talk about here on this show. So with that being said, you know, are there some buy low or sell high points that you've isolated here for some of these games this weekend? All right, let's go to another, you know, kind of popular type of team on Sunday that, you know, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. Uh, and if you want to get out in front of a number, if the public does bet, uh, you know, a team, you know, they're going to bet Deion Sanders and Jackson State who have, who have exceeded expectations. I thought there would be value fading Jackson State so far uh, th- th- this season. And that hasn't been the case. They just won outright as a double-digit underdog against Grambling. Le- legitimate performance for Jackson State there and where the, the talent level is showing that, that Dion's brought in, not only with the recruiting, recruiting class, but also the transfers. I, I think this week, even though the line's like 14, 14 and a half at this point, I expect nothing but Jackson State money to come in. <laughs> they have played a couple games already this season. They have exceeded expectations. Mississippi Valley State's had some COVID issues. I think this is one where, you know, if you're talking just betting one-on-one, I expect money to come in until they struggle and prove different. I can only see, you know, the market kind of betting on Jackson State at this point. If there's going to be one public team or even one team that, you know, if you're just anticipating a market move, you know, even, you know, more professional side instead of the public, Jackson State, expect money to come in on them each week. And, I, I, you know, if you're asking me right now where this line's going to close, I think it closes at like 17. So if you want to get in front of a, a, a big move, not a guaranteed winner, uh, sort of say, but if you want to get some closing line value, I think Jackson State this week makes a lot of sense at 14, 14 and a half. Well, and that brings up another concept too of, you know, you probably won't have many more opportunities to get Jackson State at fair prices. You know, if they no. keep doing what they're doing, no, they're 14 and a half point favorite here. Let's say they win this game by 28 or, or, you know, 31 or something like that. You probably had your one buy opportunity this week or, you know, the previous weeks, maybe there were some buy opportunities, but this might be the last one. Yeah. So you know, again, it's, it's about having an understanding of the market, thinking about how the market will mature. And I think that's something that's a really important concept across all sports betting markets, but certainly one here that, that is pretty immature. That is, relatively new in this space and i'll be curious to see you know when the fcs goes back to playing alongside the fbs if we still see some places line these games simply because they have a better feel for it now and you know if they trust in their numbers in the booking process maybe they'll feel like it is an opportunity to make money i would assume it's more the global books that would do that as opposed to the brick and mortars in the u.s but okay just something to think about here as we go forward what about some other games that you either played already or you're looking at for line moves or you're thinking about playing? 
Uh, it's Sanford. I played Sanford. A big line move here, though. And, and again, it's tough, you know, get, giving out numbers because a lot of times they'll move. And just to put in perspective how volatile the market is, I mean, my accounts have been flagged where a $500 bet's going to move the line a point and a half at that book. And a lot of these, and you know books now, <laughs> if they see a move at one book, especially a book that they consider sharper, all the other books are going to move. But I did bet Sanford plus five and a half against Wofford. It's mainly a fade against Wofford, a team that, you know, if you're again using handicapping and betting one-on-one, a team that the market has faded each of the first two games of the season. Wofford has underperformed in both games, even though they covered one of those performances, it was kind of a fluky final. And then they got outright upset uh, the, the very next week. And then last week they had to shut down due to COVID and it was Wofford uh, who was the responsible for the game getting shut down because a key position group, the defensive line for Wofford already down three guys to, uh, you know, opt outs and transfers on the defensive line have had four guys that might miss the rest of the year, rest of the spring due to uh, season ending injuries. So they were decimated at that particular position. And it's already a team that I wanted to fade to begin with. Sanford's been a team that is probably a little bit better than their one and two records so far this spring. They've had a couple of tough losses. Uh, Sanford, I think at any, any plus number here, I actually think Sanford wins the game. So Sanford, even at the current number two and a half is the best number you can really find right now. Again, I think they win the game. Wouldn't be a bit surprised this game close picks or Sanford, a very uh, small favorite. So with those defensive line concerns for Wofford, the side move, but, you know, was the total adjusted? Uh, no, to total wasn't. So okay. probably under uh, for me. I, you know, Sanford's a team I, I, I would have really loved to bet if Sanford was a real good run team, but they're, they're kind of inconsistent in the run game a little bit. They've had a couple of decent performances. Uh, if they were like, say they were an option team, sort of say, and, and you know, Wofford, who is an option team, didn't have those defensive linemen, uh, th- that would have been something that I really would have looked to take advantage of. And, you know, under in correlation, I'm glad you brought that up. You, you don't, you know, even guys like myself don't think about it as much uh, at the FCS level, maybe like I should. This is probably more of a criticism on myself. Yeah, I, I could certainly see under uh, the Sanford controlling the clock here. And we, we certainly saw, you know, Wofford in their last game, a very low scoring performance. Any others that you want to mention before we shift gears to uh, the college basketball side of things? You know, I don't have, at least it was right now. I, you know, again, I would probably made, to put in perspective, uh, on, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm bitching and moaning, but if I would, whoever's betting the bet online numbers is really, really sharp. It's not like I have published my power ratings like I do at the FBS level and somebody just has my power ratings and, and whatnot, but I would have probably made 20 bets on the opening numbers. And I'm just talking sides, 20 of the 40 games I would have bet and 20 of those 40 games have moved more than three points. So I, I don't have too much as of right now. And it's tough because, you know, it's, it's ingrained in us. And this was part of the discussion we had last night at dinner that I thought was really fascinating. It's ingrained in us to get the best number. Yeah. And if we can't get the best number, you want to get the second or the third best number. And here in the FCS, with the way that these numbers are moving, and as you mentioned, the, the posting times are just dramatically different, it's very tough to go and play a game now where a good portion of the value has been extracted. And there's a very good chance that in this inefficient, volatile market, the number is still not right. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's very hard to sit there and know that you're taking something that's three, three and a half, four points off of 
wear it open. And, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't want to call it a mental hurdle because we know the importance of, of getting the best of the number that you can and how predictive it is of future success. But it, it's a very tough pill to swallow, even if you still think that that side is still good. You just, you know, it's hard to fire on that number. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. And it's something that I struggle with all the time. And I just flat out tell my customers, I'm like, you know, with the FCS, it's not just me struggling. Uh, it's mainly about, I, I don't think you guys can get the same numbers I can. So, I mean, it's tough for me to release a, a ton of picks when, you know, I already feel like I'm taking maybe a little bit worse than the number because it's moved already. And then after I bet and whatnot, and, you know, just a couple customers start betting into it. Uh, I mean, if, it's very tough getting and putting out widely available picks. I'll just put it that way. All right. So we talked college basketball for a few minutes here and uh, we didn't really, we didn't really script too much at today's show. We just kind of went at it and started talking, which is perfectly <laughs> fine with me. It's, it's something that I think you and I are both very good at. And uh, you know, we got a pretty good rapport and chemistry on the air here. So I'll ask you in terms of college basketball, where do you want to go? I mean, where, where do you want to talk about today? I mean, Duke, they have a COVID positive, so their season is over after looking very good the first two games of the ACC tournament. Florida State effectively gets a bye to the next round. So, you know, that's a fortunate thing for the Seminoles, especially if you bet them to win the ACC tournament uh, before that thing got started. But other than that big bit of breaking news here this morning, uh, you know, what, what's kind of catching your eye in college hoops today? Volatile. I mean, we're seeing, you know, I haven't run the numbers yet, but I mean, last night, I mean, a ton of dogs uh, ended up, especially the smaller conferences, ended up winning uh, outright. Uh, And, you know, looking at today, you know, some more breaking news. I mean, Villanova lost another player uh, who was doubtful and banged up outside of Colin Gillespie, who went down last week uh, in the Creighton game. We saw a big time move there. Uh, where I'm not sure that I want too much Villanova action, even if they win in advance against uh, Georgetown today. Uh, that's a team that I'm not sure that the market's going to grasp. So if you want to fade Villanova, uh, getting after that one is a little you know, early in the process, I, I think, is something that just came on today. I'll just say this. I mean, the best piece of advice that I probably could give anybody, not only for this season, but at least the future years until this trend you know, significantly changes – but we, what I've seen so far, even though it hasn't had good results so far this season, but has had consistent winning seasons the last 15 years, if you're betting the under in the conference tournament championship game, get after that number as soon as you can. Because I am seeing almost across the board in every single conference tournament championship game, under money comes in. And if you have blindly bet the under in every single one of them, the last 15 years, you're like 58%, only three and eight so far this year. Uh, so, so maybe you don't see as much money. People have been beat up a little bit this year, but actually it'd be better if you'd have played the, the, the opening number, you'd have a couple more wins in your pocket, even this year. Now, I'm seeing some instances where it's, you know, bet down three, four, five points. So and th- that is the best piece of advice until that trend changes. Uh, I, I think conference tournament championship games under because it makes a lot of sense. Tired legs, a lot of one bid leagues where everything's on the line, every possession matters. I, I just think that, that that is, you know, the best piece of positive EV advice I can give anybody. It's funny to hear you say that. Cause I was out uh, on Tuesday night with Matt Lindemann, a guy who uh, I respect greatly. He's very, very sharp, very smart guy. I, in fact, I actually got my start podcasting with him a little 
about a decade ago or so now. But I asked him, I said, oh, you know, you got any action in college basketball tonight? And he shrugs and goes, Summit League under championship game. And that was it. That was all he said. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me, and it makes me think of exactly what you just said there of, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost a blind thing. And if you bet the opener, you're probably getting some line value out of it. So, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those things that I think you certainly want to pay attention to. One thing I will mention here, and it could just be because Minnesota and Northwestern are both pretty bad. Um, you know, they're not good teams. <laughs> but 97 points in that game last night. You had Nebraska and Penn State go to 138. So that one also stayed pretty well underneath the total. And we talked about this on yesterday's show. The Big Ten tournament being played in a gargantuan football stadium. I mean, these, these are tough things for these players, especially yeah. with these venues being, you know, effectively empty in this, you know, COVID era that we're in. You have to, absolutely have to. This is very important for our listeners going forward, not just over the next few days, but in future seasons. You have to handicap these venues and think about what these players are doing, playing in these foreign settings, these things that they play in maybe once a year, have maybe never played in. It will impact scoring for sure. Absolutely. And with and keep an eye if you see like something we can now we got a couple data points on the big 10 games uh you know the, the lower scoring and we saw money on, at least on three of the four games today come in on the under uh and right now as we're taping this you know maryland's struggling uh to say the least scoring i mean sometimes you can like connect the dots where you know you can anticipate the the, the market and I can tell you this, if Michigan State, Maryland goes under, Minnesota, Ohio State goes under, even after big line moves, you'd be rested. You can, during the games, you'll see the Indiana Rutgers, Penn State, Wisconsin lines move towards the under. And, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, not only conference tournament, but but also the NCAA tournament as you get in the bigger arenas, uh, and especially this year with, with not, not, not big crowds. Yeah, shooting backdrops are – significant as far as handicap especially when you're considering the reliance uh, on the perimeter shooting now more than ever yeah i i think uh you know if you can connect the dots and see a couple of the games you know teams really struggle first couple of games even though you're not dealing with a, a big data sample size sometimes all you need to see is a couple of games and once you see four or five teams really struggling i think getting after it here and i'm glad you brought it up to me because i i Thought about it yesterday when I saw those scores. Didn't dive into it too much. I mean, just to show you, because there's so many moving parts and pieces to this, I didn't even know that they were playing in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, so, you know, maybe that's a you know, bad part of me, but uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I, as soon as this is over, I'm firing in unders. Well, and one other thing I wanted to mention here on today's show, and I want to get your take on this because I think it's pretty interesting. A lot of the early conference tournaments, the ones that finished up last week, are generally one-bid leagues. Maybe you get a second team in there if you've got a really good mid-major and they, they you know, slip up in the conference tournament, something happens, they don't win that tournament. You know, they go to the tournament, the NCAA tournament anyway, but they didn't get that auto bid. Those are kind of few and far between. But here, and I started thinking about it when you were talking about Villanova, because I've used this example a couple times on the show this week where I think it was three years ago, something like that. Villanova was the number one overall seed. They knew it. The conference tournament didn't matter at all. And I think they lost the first game. I don't even know if they played everybody or Jay Wright monitored minutes, something like that. Maybe they do that again here today 
against Georgetown, hoping they don't lose anybody else. But it's always interesting to me when you get into the quarters and the semis and the championship games of these conference tournaments in the big five, they're the power six, whatever you want to call them in college basketball, where a lot of these teams are already in the tournament and they know yeah. it. You know, there's that, there's not that same heightened sense of urgency that you see from a one bid league or maybe a two bid league, something like that. So how much does that potential mindset factor into the handicapping process of conference tournaments for you? Case by case basis. I mean, obviously if you got a coach with a, you know, five plus year, 10 plus year, hopefully a sample size on how he handles uh, the, the tournament action, obviously you have coaches that value conference tournaments more than others, a program that really values the, you know, a conference tournament, Iowa state, no matter who the coach is, and a lot of it had to do with the traveling fan base and whatnot and a coach that really valued it, but they've been really good in the conference tournament. Uh, other programs, not so much. So again, case by case basis, but you're right. Uh, I mean, to me, again, it goes more towards the under, I mean, uh, which makes sense as you get you know, more along in some of these, you know, major conferences, you're going to want to run up and after you played three game and three games in three days, you want to run up and down the floor and really, you know, to take a lot more steam out of your team, uh, when you, you know you're playing an NCAA tournament game within, and a lot of times I look towards, you know, the, 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 the championship games that are played on Sunday, keep in mind, a lot of those teams are going to be, you know, back to playing the NCAA tournament on Thursday, you know, with the traveling and whatnot and the extra media attention. I just, I, I how I handle it is, you know, a lot of times I don't expect that the, the, even the high tempo teams to be, you know, running up and down the floor. I mean, if I was a head coach, I wouldn't, you know, to fire all my bullets in the conference tournament. If I know full well that, you know, that my team's safely in the NCAA tournament, unless I was, you know, on the bubble, uh, unless I was going, knew that, you know, with the media narrative out there, if a win could get me a one seat or whatnot, maybe that, that would be the only thing that changes my thought process. Yeah, that's an important thing too. You know, the sort of the perception of the team, kind of where they're going to fall from a seating standpoint. That's always important. And, and like you said, I mean, some coaches care more about the conference tournaments than others. Some coaches want to be, you know, in the best possible form going into the NCAA tournament, all of that. But, you know, it, it's one of the few times of the year, I think, where if, if you really try, I think you can pick off some motivation spots, just some yeah. teams that, you know, absolutely have to get there. And I'm not talking about bubble teams because bubble teams are already naturally inflated because everyone goes, well, they have to win the game, so of course they're going to win and cover. No, they, they have to win the game because they're not that good. So you don't want to be laying a big number with them or laying an inflated price with them, something like that. But there are some spots, I think, where motivation can come into play, whether it's very obvious in terms of the bracketology or maybe it's not so obvious because it's just a team that's going to the tournament and, you know, they'd rather just not lose anybody, not get anybody hurt. So. Uh, again, I, I've said it before on this show, and, and it may be sacrilegious, but I don't know. This, last week and this week are my two favorite weeks about college basketball, and, and I prefer to just kind of watch the NCAA tournament as more of a fan. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't have motivational disparities uh, in the NCAA tournament. It's win or go home. Uh, I'll give you one that, you know, I, I at least have isolated this team, and they have not performed well down the stretch for good reason. And I question their motivation tonight. I think the season's over for them. Uh, UT Rio Grande Valley, uh, a team that in their last seven line games, they're 0-7. You know, tragic loss to their head coach, lost their best player, just transferred out uh, just a few games ago. 
And meanwhile, you got a New Mexico State team that was really derailed, the, the preseason favorite in the WAC that, uh, you know, they played one game in basically a seven-week period, and now they finally have found their legs. Last three games they've won by double digits, including a blowout over the same UT Rio Grande Valley team. If you look at motivation, I don't see it there for Rio Grande, Grande Valley. Again, no head coach, top player gone. Haven't seen any fight from them down the stretch of the season. Meanwhile, New Mexico State, a team with high expectations, finally living up to them, sort of say. I mean, that was the game that I isolated today. And even though I don't like doing it too often in a conference tournament, I'm laying the big number tonight, uh, New Mexico State minus 11.5 for motivational purposes. There you go. Good thoughts on today's show from professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And always good thoughts over at that website as well. Yeah, bradpowersports.com. I'll tell you what, coming up on Monday will be my very first issue of the 2021 season. So we're going to be looking a lot at FBS action. I know FCS and March Madness is going to be at the forefront. Look, my sport is college football at the FBS level. If you want some early power ratings, some early you know teams to play on, play against and whatnot, early thoughts. A lot of people like my spring guide. I have all the schedules for every team set in a very easy printable uh, setting there. Check that out on Monday. I'll post it up at free uh, bradpowersports.com. Ooh, we'll definitely talk about that on next Thursday's show. We'll, of course, talk the NCAA tournament too, but also definitely dig into that guide a little bit. So very much looking forward to that. Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com, at Brad Powers and the number seven. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate the visit a couple days ago. Can't wait to do it again. And uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And also, again, at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Coming up on Friday, I'll go solo with the Betters Box, my MLB betting podcast, Five and Fly for the AL Central. Probably do the AL West on tomorrow's show as well. So it'll be close to an hour-long show talking Major League Baseball. But fortunately, lots of time to listen to that. You can break it up midway through, all that kind of thing. So that's what we'll have to finish out this week on the show. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.